it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we do our best to help you understand the complexity of who we are as human beings. Uh, we are physical. Everybody knows that. But we're also emotional. And I think most people know that. And we're intellectual. And we are spiritual. And the spiritual is not a religious uh, connotation here. It's the connection with a higher power, in some cases with angelic beings, with our guides, with universal energy. We are nothing more than a vibrational frequency encased in a physical body. And so we have the ability to communicate on all levels with all living things. Um, and that's really pretty cool. And that's what the show is really all about. Uh, I have as a new guest, uh, Bobby Lord, and I will introduce her in just a minute. But I want everyone to be able to go to all of the shows. There's probably 370 shows now that are at www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And uh, I think there's maybe 28 or maybe even 29 pages now. I haven't kept up with them um, with maybe 12 to a page at least. So uh, check out all of the shows that are there. Um, there are some people that are repeaters. Uh, if I believe that they have a wonderful message to share, I love having them come back at least a couple of times a year because you can't get all of this information done in just one session, one visit here with these remarkable people. Um, while you're on the website, you're going to also notice Boomer Products. And Boomer Products is a sponsor of the show. And um, I have been using their products for probably the last six years. Um, they are remarkable. And there's about 2,500 testimonies there. So go check out their website. Uh, look at maybe some of the testimonies. And you may see someone who has something similar to what you're experiencing health-wise. Um, they have um, videos. They have blogs. They have their own podcast. It's just a trove of information. And so I send people there on a regular basis. If you decide that you're going to try something that they have, uh, then when you check out, if you just put my first name, L-U-C-Y, into the discount code bar, you're going to get $5 off of your order. And in today's inflationary times, five bucks is five bucks is the way I look at it. So uh, go ahead and take advantage of that discount. All righty. Um, well, like I said, I have a new guest today. Her name is Bobby Lord. And since 1991, uh, Bobby's worked overseas in the humanitarian field. So the main focus has been working with refugees in Africa, Eastern Europe, and Guatemala, as well as the village men and women that were in Africa. Uh, she's always been involved with the welfare of others. And she's written two books that are available on Amazon, uh, Without a Homeland, Love, Loss, and Resilience at Quatrum Refugee Camp. And that came out in February of 22. And then she also wrote Reflections, a journal for women to discover healing and purpose. And that came out in March. So you've been pretty busy with writing, I would say. Um, having written a book myself, it takes a long time to 
you know, put all of the information together and get it to press and market it and do all of those things. So congratulations on your two books. Thank you very much. Um, I have many, many stories having done the work that I have done overseas, mm -hmm. but I'm not a writer. So, and everybody has so many people encourage me to write. You have so many stories. You, you're a good storyteller. Uh, and um, I decided that with so many refugees and migrants and everything else being in the news, especially for the last five years, that I thought that maybe I ought to really tell the way I see it. What What is a refugee? What What? what why without a homeland? What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I took writing lessons. <laughs> I took workshops. Oh, good for I you. took retreats to learn how the craft of writing. Mm -hmm. And, I had and a it is a craft. It really yes, it is. is. Yeah. Yes. Because I would sit down and write this. I was bored. Luckily, I had all the emails that I had sent. For, um, uh, so I had lots of reference. And I could go back and... And 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 remember, I also had a day timer. Remember day timers? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> so I had my day timer of what I did and all that. So that so I had the background information, but learning the craft of writing took me two over two years. Mm, okay. So it was a lot of uh, yeah. It was a labor, <laughs> a labor of love, a labor of love. Yes, yes, yes. But I thought that I would first like to give a little bit of background about what is a refugee well and i i guess one of the questions i have before you even do that is how did you start doing that you know humanitarian work how what took you all the way overseas rather than you know here in our country i mean we have a lot of people that are displaced um, but you ended up going to foreign countries and working with those individuals I did, and and that story is in my book without okay. a homeland. Uh, but I had, within a very short period of time, within a year and a half, two years, I had a hysterectomy. I got divorced and was uh, downsized from my job, mm. which was a lot of trauma and everything else. And it was it threw me for a loop. And uh, my son, my older son, was getting his doctorate uh, at the University of Colorado. And, um, and his firstborn had just been diagnosed with a rare form of epilepsy. And they needed help. So what perfect timing. <laughs> the universe <laughs> does do that. <laughs> perfect timing. Perfect timing. So I moved to Boulder, Colorado from California. And took a part-time job and, and was, was Christopher, one of part of Christopher's caretakers. Well, I never thought beyond that year. And when Will graduated, he uh, got a teaching position at the University of California, Riverside. And there I was. My reason for going disappeared. Oh, wow. I went into depression. I mean, I took a nosedive. And I had a little chat with God. I just got embarrassing to say this, but I had a little chat with God and said, God, I'm not having any fun here. Give me something to do or let me die. Mm. And out of the ether, out of, I, I believe it was inspired, the desire to work in Kenya. 
And so I talked to Will and I said, I want to go work in Kenya. And he, he looked at, he said, well, why Kenya? And I said, well, I do know that Kenya is the more stable in the country. I saw out of Africa and born free. (laughs) (laughs) And I love animals. So anyway, so he gave me the proverbial eye roll that your children can give you. Yes. He said, well, at least you're honest. And he, I found out later, he, he was calling my bluff. He was in the political science uh, field and, and, and really studied how conflicts start, how they end in <laughs> political violence, all that, uh, and in international relations and what makes uh, war. And uh, he pulled out a flyer from uh, the wastebasket and gave it to me. I applied for a job in Kenya, got it, and there I was. And that was in 1991? That was in 1991, and I was about to turn 52 in October. Oh, my goodness. And so what did you just take one suitcase with you of clothes and off you went? (laughs) Well, season, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know what job I was going to get. I went with a small NGO. Non, uh, non-government organization, Visions in Action out of Washington, D.C. And they were going to, this, I, this is my one year of volunteerism. I got to pay for everything myself. Mm. Pay for my air flare. I paid for my health insurance. They were going to provide a place for me to live and find me an internship. I went there. I, You know, what? I feel when you're God inspired, God led. I wasn't afraid. I had no, I just said, I'm just excited to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that everything fell pretty much into place. And it did. Mm -hmm. And I was so blessed. I, I actually had two job offers, but I decided to take the one, do an internship with the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees and work with the refugees that were, uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. And, uh, Timing wise, that's when the Somali war conflict oh, erupted. Wow. wow. Erupted. So were you in danger at all? Yourself? Well, I volunteered to work in a refugee camp. You could have been. <laughs> well, there was gunfire. There yes. was gun yeah. <laughs> there were riots. Uh actually one time um they were we they were building building uh, a temporary, uh, a permanent camp out of five temporary ones. That camp is still in existence today. Oh, really? Yes. And an interesting fact, uh, the representative Omar from Minnesota was in that camp, same camp that I was in. Oh, my goodness. So wow. it's, a, it's a very small world. Anyway, uh, uh, I, a little story, uh, they, we had boreholes, which got the water, and one of the boreholes, uh, they were building new boreholes, but the, the one that was in the area, and, in the, and it was desert, um, ran out of water, and they thought we were doing it on purpose to punish them. Oh. And so one of the nurses said, well, Bobby, go out there and see what, oh, she, the district 
the district person was there. Oh, no, I'm not going to go. So he volunteered. I got a rock. I still have a scar right here where the rock hit me. Oh, my goodness. And blood gushing out of my head, head wounds bleed. And uh, I, I mean, my glasses, I couldn't see. Anyway, I got stitched up. But I, I tell you, I wore that big, huge bandage on there. And uh, one of the things that is very different in other cultures, as opposed to here, grandmothers are very revered. Mm. Okay. And so I automatically had a head respect because I was a grandmother. And I'm wearing this thing. And I had done enough psychology to know that the brain likes to have an answer. And if they don't have an answer, then they will make it up. Mm -hmm. You'll make it up, whatever. And I went and found the engineers and I said, why did we run out of water? And it would, there was too much use in it. And the, and the mechanism, looks it looks like an oil rig, really. But it, the mechanism... Uh, shuts down otherwise it will suck up sand and 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 then not um then it's broken so then it's broken so it automatically shuts down well i went around and explained that to everybody and especially the men and they all understood so they they stopped that haranguing and and uh, and all that because you need to you need to understand to me my way of management and all that is if you have to explain things, you have to understand uh -huh. what's going on. And then, then you can work with things. Right. Right. You can make decisions. You get decision trees. You can make decisions. Well, Amen. like you said, if, if it doesn't make sense, you'll make up something. Absolutely. And it probably will be incorrect. And then you'll have, you know, sides being pitted against each other. So. Exactly. Exactly. But I'd like to do a, a definition of a refugee is a refugee. Well, refugees are people who flee from war, uh, violence, conflict or prosec and prosecution and have crossed an international border. So that's one of the keys is that they have to that cross is the, the international. You have to cross a border. OK. An international border. To become a refugee. We have refugees here in the United States that go from state to state, you know, fleeing. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's the same, but international borders. Right. Uh a statistic, there are twenty one point three million refugees according to United Nations High Commissioner for, for Refugees. Today. Today, throughout the world. There are fifty three point Two million IDPs, or what they call internally displaced people, and these are refugees. Or these are people who are still fleeing from war, fleeing from persecution, fleeing from violence. But they don't cross the border; they stay within their country. Mm -hmm. So you have to go across a border to become a refugee status. Mm -hmm. That is opposed to an asylum seeker. Okay, so an asylum seeker, how would you describe them by versus of a refugee? Right. Asylum seeker is an immigrant that that uh, wants to have a new life and it can be through fear, it can be war, it can be anything. 
but they have to prove that they qualify qualify as a refugee in order to go into a country. How do they prove that? Well, they have to, you know, are they are they fleeing from from war? Are they fleeing from violence? Are they fleeing from persecution? Whatever? Yeah, persecution. Yes. Okay. So that should oh, be all very easy. similar. They're all very similar, but a little bit different. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of a basic understanding here. Okay. Um, so that's kind of. And only asylum seekers who are granted refugee status are able to work. How long can they stay with that status before they have to like apply for citizenship or something? I think it it's either five or seven years. So the conditions could improve back in the country that they're fleeing and they might be able to return home. Most of them don't want to flee their home. That's another misconception. Yeah, I, I would that's, think not. I mean, that's that's what without a homeland. Mm -hmm. uh, in my book, I, I, I they want to go home. Yes, they want. And I, one of the things that that we being fairly new country in the United States, we are not rooted to the land the way other people are. That's true. Mm hmm. We are very, very rooted. They are very, very rooted to the land and they want to, um, they want to go home. They want to go home. They want to have a good job. They want to be able to be free. They want to be able to be safe and live in their own country. They don't want to be a refugee. But you know what? That's almost impossible in some circumstances. Absolutely. And so, I mean, that's got to be that, you know, come to Jesus meeting that a lot of them have to have with themselves and their family is after a period of time, you can see that it's not getting any better. It's not going to be safe. It's not, there is no good job. There is no uh, home to go home to. So I was going to give you a little bit of background about the Kosovo and the, the Albanians and uh, under Tito, um, all of the Balkan area, that whole old Yugoslavia, was fairly autonomous. And he died in 1990. I mean, 1980. And then uh, Slobodan wanted and became president, and he wanted to become a greater Serbia. And that was, there was Serbia was involved even in Tito's time. And he wanted to recreate the old Yugoslavia under his rule, mm -hmm. okay? But the people in Kosovo, these were Kosovar, um, Kosovar Albanian refugees that in the camp in Albania where I was. And um, so he he wanted to do that and, and, and really started suppressing and for over 10 years, um, before the war started, they wanted to, uh, he wanted to, uh, he's, they, they had autonomy. Hmm. And then all of a sudden he started, started to sending the troops in and started to, and the KLA, which was the Kosovo Liberation Army, 
got fed up with the with with being suppressed. So they started, you know, pushing back, pushing back, mm-hmm. and then that so that. And of course, he did, you know, Croatia and Bosnia and you know all that. So so anyway, um, so all that's <laughs> that all the and I I write a little bit about that in the book. So. So you, rather than going through so much of it, but I, but I wanted to, um, if I could read just a little bit from the book. Sure, um, sure. That I before thought. before you start reading, Bobby, let's take a real quick break and uh, have a word from our sponsor, and we'll come right back, and then you can read from your book. Thank you. Okay. Are you feeling stressed and anxious about life? Have elevated blood pressure? Experiencing weight gain? Having problems with your immune system? Getting healthy and staying healthy is more important than ever, and it has never been easier when you have fundamental nutrition from Boomer Products. Restore the youth and vitality you are used to in just minutes a day. Check out our website at www.boomerboost.com to see thousands of reviews from customers just like you who are benefiting from Boomer Products. While you're there, check out our podcasts, blogs, and videos, and get caught up on the latest health news and information. Use promo code LUCY at checkout. That's L-U-C-Y to save $5 on your order. Stop existing and start living today with Boomer Products. All right, welcome back to the Synergy Connection Show, where I have Bobby Lord with me. And she's actually going to read an excerpt from um, Without a Homeland is the one you're reading from, right? All right. And she's going to read an excerpt from her book uh, to help explain some of what she experienced. So the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, I had just arrived and uh, and and was walking through the camp. And uh, if anybody looks for my book, um, the photo on the book is one I took of the camp. So that is my photo of the camp. I said the organization and the order of the camp impressed me. Incredibly, given the humanitarian crisis before me, my senses filled with pleasure as the sun shone on me and white fluffy clouds filled the azure sky. The rugged, steep Morovia Mountains around the camp added a sense of strength and stability. I snapped out of my thoughts. The scene appeared tranquil. Yet I knew from experience fear, disorientation, disorientation, doubt, and uncertainty lay beneath the surface. The refugees had just fled their homes, leaving the dead behind and separated from family members. I noticed several refugees along the way. I could see their pain and suffering, loss and grief on their faces and in their body postures. They carried the weight of dreadful memories, hunger, fear, and anger. They carried the acrid memory of the stench of burning homes flesh, and gunpowder. They carry the ominous sounds of marching boots, tanks rumbling on the pavement, bullets pinging off buildings, and screams of horror and pain. They carried fatigue and survivor's guilt. They carried the sounds, the smells, terror, and horrors of war. Wow. You know, what I'm thinking is, like, we see what's going on in the Ukraine, we see, you know, people lining up at the borders trying to come into the United States from Mexico. I mean, you know, the way our media is anymore, we can see what's happening almost instantly. 
we now have this horrific earthquake that happened in Turkey and Afghanistan. And um, I think this morning they said the death count was up around 17,000 now. Yesterday, mm -hmm. I think it's like, more than that. Yeah, it's just and huge. Turkey, Turkey took more refugees in than in the other, mm -hmm. you know, and so, yeah. A lot of them had just gotten there. Yeah. They had left everything and now the buildings crashed down and family members, you know, died. So, and I really wanted them to feel it rather than see it because, you know, my book goes into a lot of their feelings and what they're, they're suffering. And um, it's more, it puts a human face on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rather than just seeing you, the little, little sound bites, you can't, you, you know, you know, and I think um, from your perspective, being there, I often marvel at the fact that they will send people to Iraq, you know, when we've got problems there or, you know, now they're in Turkey, uh, the news people that have to go and anchor these shows when 9-11 happened. I mean, those are memories that never go away. They, they're they with you. You can't for unsee. No, you cannot unsee. No. And that's a very good thing to remember. And uh, the same thing happens traumatically, you know, if you're in an automobile accident or, you know, you recently had uh, double bypass surgery that we talked about before the show happened. And I mean, that's trauma and you can't unsee your scars, you know, you've watched yourself heal, but the scars that people carry with them that are not visible uh, are what we're talking about right now. Yes. And I go into my book, um, I've buried a son. I've buried a grandson. Mm. So I know, I know the pain a mother goes through in in losing a child, mm. a grandchild, and it really helped with my empathy and compassion. Oh, absolutely! Because you, even though I've walked the walk, it was the same. Yeah, you have walked the walk. I've walked the walk. And there was one, um, we, we were, um, had a skeleton crew over the weekends just to give people some relief and some downtime. Uh -huh. um, and because it's, it's 24 seven, your adrenaline uh -huh. levels are very, very high. You're on con call all the time. Wow. And we were going in and, um, Uh, one of the, they, somebody came and grabbed me and, and, and took me to a tent and there was a chair outside the tent front with a towel on it and two photographs. And that represented a death. And we went in and I don't speak Albanian. So I relied on interpreters. Uh -huh. And I told them that they were attached to my hip. <laughs> I can't go anywhere without you. And I had wonderful interpreters. I just, I just couldn't be happier with the interpreters that I had. And um, there, the woman's son and her brother, same age, age, age eighteen, went off and joined the KLA three weeks prior, and they both were killed. Oh my! Wow, 
And how did she even find out or, or did she? I don't know how she, I don't know how they found out. I, I yeah. really, I don't know. There was no radio. I mean, we didn't have any electricity in the camp. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I mean, to, to get news. <laughs> they're, living, they're living in tents. Right. And we have, you know, pit latrines and a tent for a shower. There's no hot water. You have, you have, um, uh, in between each section, you have water taps, you have latrines, and you have a shower. Hmm. And, uh, you know, most of these people were highly educated. You know, they were doctors, they were lawyers, they were engineers. And one of the things in, in a camp, boredom is is one of the worst things other than the trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had, we had, um, we were the camp managers. The organization that I was with was Relief International. And we were the camp managers and we had um, Red Crescent, which was the German Red Cross uh, doing all the water and sanitation. We had uh, Medicos de Mundo Spain doing all of the um, medical and we had the Salvation Army doing the food. Hmm. And we had a wonderful, wonderful working relationship and rapport with, with all of those uh, other NGOs. Oh, I bet. And all under, uh, under the umbrella of the United Nations. United Fair. Nations, yeah. Mm -hmm. one, of the, uh, one of my guests, probably almost a year ago now, um, she was part of the Camarouge. Um, you know, she had fled them coming yes. in and has uh, written a couple books herself about that experience. But I remember her saying about boredom that you were talking about. I remember her saying that at in the evening, one of the things they would do is they would tell stories and they would conjure up memories of food that they, you know, used to eat and how to prepare it. And so they went through it in their mind uh, as though they were actually preparing the dish and it gave them some, like a little semblance of hope for the future and memories that were very, very real. So I don't know whether that went on in your camp where they could talk about the past in a positive I would imagine, they, I, but the food, I mean, they, give, they have beans and rice and sugar and oil. Yeah. And occasionally they have meat and occasionally they have a little vegetable. But in way I was in Korcha, Albania, there was one bank. There's no ATMs. They don't have money. There's no means to get money unless they have a relative or they brought some with them. Mm -hmm. you know, and what could they buy, though, even? Well, they could go to the... Um, the vendors, <laughs> the street vendors and buy a soda pop or <laughs> whatever, you know, I mean, uh, we had a lot of theft. Theft is a big deal. Mm -hmm. We suspect now the international staff had housing. We did not live in the camp. We had outside housing. So we would go home every night and, um, but there would be theft and we would go to see We'd have some UNHCR plastic and other things, and we would see that lined up in the street vendors. So there was some theft, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they got very creative. When when one time we went there at night, 
driving around and we saw some lights in some of the tents. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there was a television going on. <laughs> Off of a battery, no doubt, of some no, sort. What they did is they, the, the engineers, they siphoned electricity from the utility poles that were outside the camp. Oh, my goodness. And they, they were very clever. I was going to say, you know, they, toys. They, they created, I have a whole little chapter on, on where are the toys? Mm. Created their own toys. These little boys would put boxes on their head and, 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 and make little swords and, you know, parry and do, <laughs> you know, they, they were just so creative. They were just so creative. And, and the women, um, I would be walking around and please come in and have coffee. And they now now there are mattresses on the floor. There are no tables and no chairs. There's nothing you sit on the floor. You're on the floor. And um, they had these little burners, just one little you know propane burner, one thing. They'd boil the water and they'd give you the little instant coffee. And some would have brought some of their little teacups or little cups from home. Whatever they could carry. That's all they had. Mm -hmm. What is the, like the biggest aha for you that you learned from that experience? That's really easy. My heart opened. Mm. I'm so accepting of difference. I would think gratitude would be. And gratitude. Oh, I'm so grateful. Yeah, just to... I just I'm really so and my, I'll, I'll get my other book. The other book was inspired by um, it was inspired because I wanted to do something to help the refugees heal from the trauma. So my purpose for writing a guided journal was to help women recover from trauma and to discover their strength and resilience. In this process, I discovered my strength and understood on a deeper level how interconnected we are. Mm -hmm. You know, and we are, they all want the same thing. We all want the same thing. We all want to be safe. We all want to be respected. We all want to have a, provide for our family. Mm -hmm. It's universal. You could really see it. And they all wanted to go home. And they all want to go home. Yeah. And they all want to go home. And unfortunately, how many will ever really get to go home in these situations? I I don't know. Um, and well, look how many are fleeing back mm -hmm. to, back to, to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Even though they're still, you know. They want to be part of the cleanup process you know they certainly believe that they will have their homeland back someday and they want to be mm -hmm. there when that happens and it was wonderful um when they signed a military agreement I <laughs> good wait to get home mm. but the thing is that you and i i saw this um on the news i heard this on the news today too uh, what happens is under net, under, under international law, um, landmines have to be documented. Mm -hmm. 
a, a field, but a landmine field consists of 20 landmines. So if you have 19, you don't have to document it. Oh my. All right. So what a, what the loser does, and this is what the Russians have just done in whatever area that they, they're just evacuating, they plant landmines. And they are still, many, many people are still being, being killed in Cambodia and Vietnam and Laos from landmines. That were there 20 years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago, 40 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Right, right. And um, K4, which was Kosovo force, uh, we were very fortunate in that the British K4 built their camp right next to ours which provided wonderful safety and it created a great diversion for the, for the refugees. And I talk about that in my book, mm -hmm. uh, but, um, and I also talk about the landmine training and um, yeah, they had to leave after the military agreement was signed. It wasn't a peace agreement. It was a military agreement and they ended up um, having to go and, clear the road back to Kosovo and clear it of landmines. Wow. Well, our show is literally coming to a close. So please tell people again, the names of your books. I know they're on Amazon. Are they in bookstores as well? No, but you can get it on Ban Barnes and Noble or, um, or, or, or Amazon. It's without a homeland, love, loss and resilience at Chitrum refugee camp by Bobby Lord. And the other one is Reflections, a journal for women to discover healing and purpose, also by Bobby Lord. Both photos are uh, my own that I have taken and they used it for my cover. I have a website, bobbylord.com. You can actually order the books right from the website. And I do have an email uh, because of business purpose, I use my real name, Roberta Lord. 33 at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And we look forward to seeing you again in the future. You have a wealth of information that we all need to better understand. And thank everybody, you. please go out there and make this your very best life. See you next time. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.